It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hi, welcome to the call, this is 10 companies picked by you, two expert guests, and one hour. So we've got 60 minutes to get through those 10 stocks, plus our stock of the day. It is Wednesday, the 10th of February. I'm Nadine Blaney. So who are the guests? That's always the big question. Drum roll. We've got Henry Jennings here from Marcus today with me in studio. And also joining us via Skype from Toowoomba is Andrew Veitlin. He's from DP Wealth Advisory. Gents, a good afternoon to you both. Andrew, nice to see you up there. I'm going to get cracking because we've got a lot of interesting companies to talk about. First, with the stock of the day. Now, we know that Crown Casino in Sydney's Barangaroo complex will remain closed as an independent inquiry has found that it's unsuitable to hold a license. The Independent Liquor and Gaming Authority Chair Philip Crawford saying that the analogy that Crown will need to blow itself up to save itself is, quote, probably pretty close to the mark. Already the inquiry has seen two directors resign from the group. So what lies ahead? for Crown? That is the question. Andrew, let's start with you. Shares came back online this Wednesday. They are down by about three and a half percent. That's through the morning trade. Barangaroo is so crucial to the future of Crown. So what now? Yeah, look, it's a it's a tough one, Nadine, uh, because I was about to I was just thinking to myself as you were saying that, gee, I'm surprised the shares aren't off more. And then I was just looking at the return over the last 12 months and uh, relative to the market, which is flat, the market is flat year on year. They're down 11 percent. So in other words, the market was sort of preempting. There was a bit of pain coming and uh, I only skimmed the 700 page report. Uh, but it certainly was not pretty reading in particular for a number of directors. And I note a couple have resigned today and uh, I'd be surprised if there wasn't more pain coming there. So I think it's a tough game for Crown. I think the industry dynamics are tough for them too. And what I mean by that is you look at say Aristocrat as an example, and where's their growth coming from? It isn't coming from necessarily the growth of machines. It's actually digital or online, people sort of using their iPads or whatever their device of choice is. So I think they've got some systemic um, issues within the business. I think there's some broader issues within the industry. Dare I mention ESG as well. Everything has a price, but certainly I wouldn't be buying them at these levels. 
And Henry, do you disagree uh, with anything that was just said there? I mean, you've got the added complication that James Packer may be forced to sell down part of his stake. Yep. Uh, you've got Perth, you've got Melbourne, but I mean, we've also got inquiries ongoing in Victoria are about to kick back up again. Yeah, I'm amazed, like Andrew, that this one hasn't fallen further. I mean, this is a casino business, which has been said that it's not fit to have a casino license. That's their whole business. Okay, there's the food and beverage side of things as well, which they've got going in Barangaroo. But if they can't hold a license in Sydney, and that's yet to be uh, seen, Determined, yeah. Yeah, we've still got more steps to go. But that does question Melbourne and Perth, because these are the places where the problems were. This is not a problem in Sydney alone. This is the problem in Melbourne and Perth. So... It, it amazes me that it's held up as well. This is what their business is, is gaming and casinos. And without a license in Sydney and without Melbourne and Perth, potentially, I can't see any reason to be there. And you've got James Packer that could be selling down $2.5 billion worth of stock, which may or may not be a, a good or a bad thing, um, and a director purge. And it's, it's you know, why? And it's, it's in an industry that we've seen is involved in money laundering, in all sorts of uh, organised crime syndicates. And that's what the report... I, I did read the 700 pages, by the way, Andrew, um, just so you know. Um, Get real. Uh, in, in great detail. And made notes and highlighted it. Um, so, to me, I can't see any reason why you'd want to be there. It's, it's just, you know, there's so many other good stocks out there, and we're going to talk about a few. Why would you get involved in a casino that may not be allowed to be a casino? It's kind of the whole raison d'etre of being in business kind of flies out the window if, if you can't run a casino. You a would casino think operator. so, right? But it's interesting as well that Star Entertainment Group is also down by 4% because, Andrew, does this also complicate the lay of the land when it comes to the operation of any casino here in Australia? Oh, if I was a casino operator, I mean, even, dare I say, financial services, you know, looking at the whole anti-money laundering piece. I mean, that was a, a core tenant of these 700 pages that Henry read, uh, which I'll be testing you on in a moment, Henry. I'll get the PDF out. Um, but, yeah, that's the whole tenant of the, the one of the main parts of the inquiries around anti-money laundering and these junkets. Uh, junk tour. So any of these uh, businesses are going to be under immense pressure. It's not just Crown. I'm not suggesting that others have done wrong things, but the microscope is absolutely on. Like financial services in 2018 with the Royal Commission. Lots of us doing the right thing. A couple of us weren't, but we're all still even today feeling the wrath. It's going to be exactly the same with the casino space. I will put you on the spot because you did say that everything has a price. What would a reasonable price be for Crown for our viewers out there who might be thinking, well, I could pick up a bargain. And to Henry's point, the government in the uh, state has not yet decided what will ultimately be the outcome, whether or not it will be able to open that Barangaroo Casino. I mean, there is a very big building just <laughs> down the road here in Ausbiz. I mean, there is value in the property as well, even if you don't have that gaming license, one would presume. Yeah, as soon as I said it, I went, Nadine's going to nail me on this one. So thank you for, for doing that. Um, look, just looking at it, I would, and I'm going back to sort of the PEs that it was trading at back in 2019. That was around 18 times. It's now trading at around 27 times. So a very rudimentary back of the envelope, back of the napkin, you know, drop it by a third. So six bucks, 650, no science to that. That's just you putting me on the spot. But yeah, six, 650, something like that. Yeah, well, I'm glad you did your research. Uh, you may not have read the full 700-page report, 
as our uh, friend here, Henry, says he has, but uh, you always do your research. So thanks for that, Andrew. Okay, let's get on to our 10 stocks that have been nominated by our viewers, because to Henry's point, perhaps there are a few gems in here. And I think that we should get to Northern Star Resources. NST is the ticker code. This question has come to us from Graham, and we've actually got new information that we can key off of when it comes to Northern Star Resources, because it has reported a record uh, net profit and a 27% uplift in its dividend as it uh, is awfully close to officially taking control of Saracen Minerals. So that's a record first half profit, a record dividend. Andrew, I'm looking at the camera, so let's go to you. Uh, what do you make of Northern Star? I like it. Uh, we liked it uh, pre-merger with Sarazen. Of course, that merger has only just happened, I think, about a week ago, and the split 6436, uh, Northern Star to Sarazen. But we like it. It now makes it one of the top 10 uh, gold producers in the world. Um, great results, as you said, uh, came out uh, today, I think it was. So, uh, and production, uh, sort of meeting, guideline, uh, meeting um, guidance, rather, uh, all looking good from a um, the point of view of into the future. I guess, though, whenever I see a merger, I'm probably always just a little bit concerned around like cultural clash and that type of thing, trying to bring organisations together, who's who in the new political zoo. So that's always sort of something I'm a little bit mindful of. Uh, but it's look, it's highly leveraged to gold price movements. So, you know, what's going to happen with gold relation to inflation? So that's something to think about. But it's got strong revenue growth. Uh, the PE, whilst a little demanding, isn't relative to that forecast earnings per share growth. The earnings per share growth is somewhere in the range of 30 to 40 percent for the per annum for the next two years. 35 percent this year, 49 percent next year. So um, I like it. I'd, I'd okay. say giddy up. So that's a buy, and that's a long-term hold for you then as well. So this is buying. Long-term hold. hold, buy. We've liked it for a long time, since about three bucks or whatever, and no reason not to continue liking it, albeit that cultural merger thing in the short term. Okay, so shares doing well off the back of that update. Twelve dollars twenty-six, round about there. Um, is it worth paying the price for Northern Star now? Um, I mean, Andrew's right on all the things he said. I mean, there is a risk when you have a merger of, of two companies, and this is to take over the Calvary Super Pit, so it's owned by one person or one entity, which is, is the first time for, I think, an awful long time from memory. Um, this, this is quality. I mean, this is quality management. It's, it's a great merger. It's a great merger, not quite of equals. Um, great result, but you've got to like gold. And at the moment, gold is so 2010 or 20 whenever. Um, as opposed to Bitcoin, which seems to be attracting what, where the gold money used to go. And I'm not going to get into Bitcoin particularly, but there is a lot of um, money going into Bitcoin, calling it the digital gold, gold 2.0, etc. Now, um, that I think has made um, the, the case for gold a little less um, optimistic from some people. And, and it's kind of the forgotten sitting in the corner. But I still like gold. We're, we're seeing inflation starting to creep into systems, whether that's supply chains, we're seeing uh, bond yields creeping up in the US as well, interest rates creeping up. Um, I, I like Nor if you like gold, uh, which I think has still got potential, and at some stage there will be a switch out of Bitcoin or digital assets back into uh, gold, which has been around for thousands of years, doesn't rust, doesn't tarnish, doesn't react with anything, and is still there after thousands of years. I'm not sure Bitcoin will be the same. Um, I think this is the one to have. It's a buy then. I think it's a buy at these levels, yes. Okay. Um, put it in the put it in the portfolio, Gotham. Ring the bell. It's going in. We're so ring these the guys bell. 
uh, are agreeing on Northern Star resources. There you go, Graham. Good day to talk about Northern Star. Uh, good day for its share price as well. Now we are in the midst of reporting season, so again, our next company on the list, we've got a bit of new information to go off of, and that is Challenger. CGF is the ticker code. Dion has written in about this one. Uh, Challenger came out with a report yesterday. Look, reading a few of the broker reports on it, saying that uh, the life annuity book growth was above expectation, margin and growth recovery, both on track. Another broker saying that capital position remains strong. Um, pointing to an earnings recovery story with regulatory upside optionality. Henry, I also had conversations yesterday <laughs> where people just said challenger, ugh, you know, really? hard basket. Really? Mm. Um, I think it got a bit hard done by yesterday, I've got to say. I don't think it was as bad as, uh, as the headline suggested, and certainly it didn't deserve to be sold down, what, 14%? It was the worst performer, I think, yesterday. Yeah, it was a shocker. I don't know what people were expecting. The good thing about challenger is Japan seems to be going well. Um, the new management seems to be on track. A lot of the, the numbers were within you know, a cooey of where they should have been. And it's, it's in an environment where we're seeing interest rates starting to, I know the official rates aren't, and the Fed and the RBA aren't doing anything, but unofficial rates, the 10-year bonds, the five years, the two years, et cetera, which is where these guys park their money for their annuity stream, that has been increasing. And that's good for not only the likes of Challenger, but also the likes of the insurance sector as well, which can then, uh, that's where they get a lot of their income from. So I didn't mind this one at all. I thought it was a little hard done by. There's also, uh, there was some media speculation yesterday of some corporate appeal, and there's a lot of voracious corporate uh, private equity companies out there at the moment mm -hmm. casting their slide. Well, I mean, if you, if you look at AMP in the dog corner, uh, which results are out tomorrow, then, um, you know, I think you can't really go past challenges. So I don't mind this one. It's, I think it just got a bad rap yesterday and maybe the, the, the algos were reacting to some of the headlines, but certainly, I mean, it's not the most exciting thing in the world. Yeah, and you know, margins are challenged in the loan. Margins are challenged, but um, guidance was unchanged. Uh, Japan seems to be going well. That was always kind of a, a big, uh, big key for them. Still so. doesn't sound like it excites you. So are we calling this a hold or is it a buy? I'd go buy. Considering it I'd was go, sold down that 40%. I'd go buy. Okay, buy. And price does have something to do with that? Price does something to do with it. I think it got hard done by yesterday mm -hmm. and unnecessarily so. So, Andrew, it, would you be buying Challenger at these levels? Is it a long term uh, investment for you? Henry, you're killing me, mate. You're killing me. Um, I, uh, I, I had it as a hold and I'll run through my rationale at the moment. I can absolutely see why Henry would say it's a buy. Because if you look at, say, the PE, just simply the PE, the PE is 15 times relative to its peers in that financial services space, ex-banks, at 22 times. So before we were just talking about, you know, the discount for Crown and so forth, and it just happens to be a third in that particular case as well, this is trading at a 33% discount relative to its peers. So on a pricing perspective alone, you'd have to say it's a buy. I guess I look at its performance, share price performance over the last three years. So it's lost 18% per annum for the last three years. If I'd just gone and stuck my money in the broader market, I would have made 9% per annum over that same period of time. So they're just sort of in that pantheon, if I can use that term, of wealth destroyers in the financial services space, you know, and such lofty names as AMP, QBE, and some of the other rubbish companies, oh, sorry, uh, outside voice coming, inside voice coming out. So um, I, um, I, I certainly take the fact that 
um, bond yields are rising, bearing in mind that one of the reasons their performance was so ordinary is because they had a big shift in their investment portfolio away from junk bonds to better quality stuff, which hampered their returns, gave them a better um, uh, um, capital sort of buffer as such, if I can put it that way. But look, at the end of the day, my concern with them is that they're also talking about moving into term deposits, term deposits like anyone who's sort of dealing in term deposits from a retail space will know how cutthroat that industry is so i can't stick a buy on them on the basis of where their business is at i can stick a buy on them on the valuation basis but i can't do it on the broader basis of what they've done to shareholder wealth etc so i'm okay, a hold 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 challenger um thanks dion for the question and i hope that helped uh, help you. Um, and keep in mind, this is information only, so it's not direct financial advice. You do have to take your own uh, circumstances into consideration. So another company that we have heard from this week, Dexis. DXS is the ticker code. This is a question from Alex for the panel. So Andrew, let's begin up there in Toowoomba with you. Dexis, you don't have a lot of towering office towers up there, presumably. <laughs> However, Nadine, no, if I could turn probably not lacking anything either. <laughs> so talk to us about Dexis because, um, you know, it's such a it's, there's still so many unknowns when it comes to the office market. So how do you rate Dexis's ability to navigate these tricky times through the pandemic? Oh, if anyone's going to do it, it's them without a shadow of a doubt. Like they're a quality business and they've got quality tenants. So in the context, you know, I was just bagging um, Challenger just before. Certainly can't do the same with Dexis. Dexis is a quality operation. So if they're going to make it work, they're one of the ones. However, you're quite right. And if you listen to their results yesterday, one of the things they were talking about is that obviously without being Captain Obvious, the COVID and the pandemic, people working from home uh, and therefore the need for them to be offering incentives to get people to come and come into their space and at what cost relative to actual physical cost, what cost to margin as well. So that certainly is a concern and I can't answer, is it a long-term long -term or short-term thing? I mean, I know here in Queensland, some government departments are saying to their employees, you only need to come in one day a week. If you've got your home office working okay and it's all working okay, we're okay, you don't need to come back in. And you know, if that's the state government saying that, what's the implications going to be across sort of the broader um, uh, REIT sector as such. So that's certainly something I'm mindful of. Um, you know, they've got a whale, a weighted average lease uh, expired around four years, so that's not too bad. I like the fact that both the chair and the CEO have been increasing their holdings over the last 12 months, you know, putting their money where their mouth is. And certainly they've got pretty low gearing, it's around 25%. So lots to like about the company, but I am concerned about the broader sector, the, that REIT sector. So on that basis, I'm a hold until it plays out. Am I potentially missing an opportunity because they're down 31% for the year? Probably, but you know that's really what's going on with the COVID. There's a lot of systemic change going on at the moment. So it's really just trying to get a handle on that. And if I have to pay a little bit more and have certainty, then that's the price I've got mm. to pay. Okay, um, I know that Macquarie Henry is saying that Dexas is gearing at the end of December was already below target. It says that it could be looking at a buyback because the shares are trading at a 22% discount to net tangible assets. That would be pretty impressive for that would, shareholders. That Do you would think be. that's likely? likely? Um, I think it's possible. I think it's possible. Obviously, there is uncertainty out there in terms of office occupancy. Um, this is a pretty good yielding, very well managed stock. I, I don't think uh, offices 
it's the end of the office. I don't think it's the end of people coming into the office. You can't build culture, you can't build um, teams as effectively on Zoom. And although at the moment there's lots of people trying, I think that is still, the office is gonna be a part of our life. People want to come in, human beings are sociable beings. And you can even see, I parked the car today and the the 50% off on the parking around uh, where I park, that's gone now. Yeah. It's very busy around here, comparatively speaking. It's very busy around here, and people will come back to the office. So, you know, it's trading near its lows. Good good yield, good management, good quality properties, record low interest rates, and people will come back to the office. Uh, you know, it's, it's, we, we don't have the same problems that overseas has got, and I think people are sociable animals. I think this one looks cheap. For me, it's a buy at these levels, I have to say, despite the fact that it's been sold off a little bit, but it's showing some signs of life. Um, I'd put it on the buy list. I'm not a great big fan of the whole REIT sector mm-hmm. because it's not really what I look at. But if you're looking for something well-managed, conservative, with a good yield and leverage to a returning workforce to the office experience, which I think will happen, Dexas fits the bill. You're in a good mood today, Aren't Henry. I? Yeah, lots of, lots oh, of buys I'll, I'll on the list. I'm of, keeping track in yeah. my trusty little piece of paper. Okay, so that is for Alex Dexis, a hold and a buy. Let's go to Zipco, Z-I-P. This one's for Chris. I am going to check the share price. Of course, if you're not watching live, it won't mean a lot to you after the fact. But I mean, yeah, up a further 7% on this Wednesday afternoon uh, after gaining exponentially earlier in the week. Now, there's been a lot of attention on this sector. Again, I don't want to be Captain Obvious Andrew either, but <laughs> one thing that has really come to the fore is PayPal is saying that its new buy now, pay later product has proven to be the fastest launch for the company ever. And uh, Klarna has 15 million customers, up from 4 million just in November. That's in the States, yeah. um, generally speaking, when I'm talking about PayPal in particular. And Zipco, is pushing into the States in a big way. Yep. Go. Um, This is highly volatile, highly polarizing as well. And it's it's one of those stocks that you see the Facebook or the social media forums, and they just put zip and multiple rockets after it. And that that kind of, that's the fundamental technical analysis done by a lot of people. Um, This one is no doubt a quality company. I've owned it for a long time and was looking at, at easing out of it last week. But then we had this announcement that they're off to the States. Uh, Larry Diamond is off to the States and they're going to be pushing it hard over there. And Quad Pay, which is their US uh, sort of um, equivalent of Zip here, um, is doing really, really well. And it's all, I guess, a question of relativities. You, you, when, you're, when you're looking at the market, you've got to look at one thing against the other. There's no point in looking at, at Zip against BHP. You've got to look at, at Afterpay. So if, if you assume Afterpay valuation is vaguely correct, which who knows, um, then Zip in comparison does look cheap, uh, I have to say. Still. It does look cheap still. And, you know, there may be a bit of froth in this, but every day you're seeing this down 5%, up 5%. It, it is, you know, pin the tail on the donkey to some mm-hmm. extent. Um, I've only got a smallish position in this one. I did top up during the SPP. We, hard to believe that the share purchase plan was done at 527 or whatever it was. And it was so popular they doubled the size of it. Mm-hmm. Um, no wonder. And here's the stock at ten bucks, and that's that's a month or so ago. Yeah. You know, it's gone extraordinarily well. And the thing, the big catalyst from this whole sector has been, for me, has been the listing of a firm in the mm-hmm. U.S. Um, and that was a very successful IPO um, of a company that is kind of a hybrid between buy now, pay later, 
and a sort of um, a, a credit provider, a slightly different credit provider, a bit of banking in there as well. So that, that really highlighted, I think, the valuation that the US guys are happy to place on their buy now, pay later equivalents to our ones. And we are the market leaders. So if, if, if our ones are there and these ones are here, these ones have got to go here. And that's what's happened to Afterpay. That's what's happened to Zip. That's what's happened to Sezzle. Mm -hmm. Even my little hum, which is the dog of the, the sector, mm -hmm. the only company that actually makes a profit out of, out of um, buy now, pay later, even they have stirred, thankfully, uh, and are starting to move a little bit higher. And God, they look undervalued. Yeah, well, that's an extra tip then. I'm just going to push the point, though, because our viewers love to know that you've got your money where your mouth is. So you're holding on to Zip. You've yep. decided not to lighten up. But the question is, uh, by saying that it's cheap, you are essentially saying that, that you could still buy in now. You could. Um, just be prepared for serious volatility. You, you know, you, if you buy in up and it's up 9 seven or eight, nine percent today, you could easily see it down 10 percent tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So be aware of that. I would like, you know, if people are looking at buying it on the watch list, nibble away on the days where it's not up nine percent. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that's the way I would play it is, is to buy any weakness that you see. And there is there is periods of weakness. We saw only the other day the UK coming out with with talking about their financial regulations around buy now, pay later. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure we're going to see a bit of a slowdown from the last quarter because we haven't got, you know, um, what is it, Cyber Wednesday, Cyber Monday, <laughs> Cyber Tuesday, every Cyber Day under the sun. But the, this, is, this is a phenomenon that the millennials and others have embraced. Yeah. And it, it's an easy product to sell. I think Zip is a little bit more complicated than Afterpay, but it's still an easy sell. Okay, I'm curious, Andrew, are you bothered by the fact that there's no profit or have you moved on your new school and you understand that when it comes to some of these companies, potentially the profitability at this stage is not really the metric we're looking at? Well, if we use Amazon as the gold standard in that line of logic, uh, Nadine, no, the lack of profitability wouldn't concern me. Um, I bought this at around 90 cents and thought I was super clever selling it at about three bucks. So it shows, shows you how much of a dope I am. Uh, my favorite one though, and I don't, well, I was about to say, I haven't outed myself publicly until today, after pay at $4, selling it at 20. Um, but anyway, um, so I wouldn't listen to me on the buy now, pay later space. Uh, I, uh, looking at it, I think it's a momentum buy. And that's really what Henry was saying, that on a day where sort of momentum is um, against you, but the underlying story is still sound for all the reasons he just gave. I mean, I was just looking, Koshi and I covered this one off oh, six months ago. And at that stage, there was about 1.6 million customers and 16,000 merchants. So. Uh, after the most recent update, there's now 5.7 million customers. So what's that? That's like a fourfold increase. And there's 38,000 merchants. So that's about a three times increase in six months. So this thing is screaming along, as we can see by the share price. And I'm with Henry. That SPP at 520 odd, that was just a gift, frankly. Um, mm -hmm. I, I do share the concerns around increasing regulation. And I think that uh, is something that we do need to be mindful of. I also note that the MD and the CEO have also been reducing their shareholding over the last 12 months. We've also got a new chair coming in at the end of March. 
I don't think it's going to have a huge impact. But again, whenever there's a change in leadership, you just sort of, that's a little bit of an amber flashing light. So really, I'm a buy on weakness, but the weakness could be tomorrow when it corrects down 7 or 8%. It's just all over the show. I'm curious, six months ago when you were talking about it with Koshiv, did you have a buy then? It's <laughs> a good question. I think I had hold. I think I had hold. I'll go back in the archives. I'll keep you <laughs> honest there, Andrew. Okay. Uh, I think that's just number four yet. We've got one more on the list before we do our little wrap up. Beta shares S&P 500 equal weight ETF. This is coming to us from Troy. The ticker code is on your screen, QUS. Henry, I'll start with you. How does equal weight stack up against market cap in your view when we're talking ETFs? Um, Andrew's probably the expert at all this. It's, I've got to say, it's probably less volatile. Um, you don't get the big sort of swing in a, in a Tesla which, or, or a market weight. Um, so it is less volatile. You can see that by the chart. It's more of a slow kind of appreciation. It's not dominated mm -hmm. by one or two stocks. But Andrew is the ETF expert. Well, let's pass it over to Andrew then. I wouldn't want to rob you of any of your thunder. So talk to us about the BetaShares 500 equal weight ETF. Why would you go equal weight, um, you know, as opposed to market cap? Yeah, it's a great question, Nadine, and thank you for the endorsement, uh, Henry. I hear there was a great podcast about that recently. Do you remember <laughs> that one? I'm trying okay, to remember. Okay, move it along. <laughs> there <move> was. It <laughs> Uh, look, so uh, equal weight, as the name suggests, is, and we're talking the S&P 500, that, so there's literally 0.2 of a percent for each holding in this ETF within QUS. Whereas if I look at the broader S&P 500, and just looking at the top four holdings, Apple at 7%, Microsoft at 6%, sorry, top three holdings, and Amazon at 4%. So the broader index, the top three companies make up 17% of the index, under QUS, those three names I just mentioned would be 0.6%. So really what you're doing is you're smoothing out, to Henry's point, that volatility. And if you look at the actual makeup of QUS, it's 15% IT, 14% industrials, 14% financials. So it's a pretty you know, even spread. The S&P 500, the broader index, 28% IT, 13% healthcare, 13% consumer discretionary. So what you're doing is, to Henry's point, is you're, you're smoothing out that volatility. If you love tech, you wouldn't buy QUS. You'd buy the broader index. But if you think that tech is overvalued, but you still like the broader thematic of all the names I just mentioned, then QUS is actually not a bad strategy. Here in Australia, the other one to look at, your free tip for today, is MVW. So that's the Van Eck equal weight. Same sort of principle. Australia's very heavy in banks, resources, etc. You're trying to smooth it out across the 200, then you'd look at MVW. Similar strategy here. Me personally, I still think tech's a thing. So I would actually still prefer the, the broader S&P 500 exposure. But if you're worried about tech, certainly nothing wrong with the QUS at all. And the performance bears that out, Nadine. It's up 16, this, the index is up 16% for the year. This ETF we're talking about is down 5% for the year, albeit it's been a strange year. So we then go at five years, the index up 16% relative to this ETF, which is up nine, which again demonstrates that constrained volatility. So do you think it's a buy? No. Well, for me, no, because I want, exp well, I want exposure to the index, but mm -hmm. I also want exposure to tech. But if I was worried about tech or I wanted to limit my volatility, 
great strategy. And I like equal weight. Like in our in our portfolios, we use MVW, sort of the Australian equivalent. 100%. Yeah. We use that. But for me, tech is where it's at. I don't want to put a handbrake on that, so I'm out for overseas. But you know, as you said before, you know, this isn't isn't uh, financial advice. Everyone needs to look at their circumstances. Me personally, I want as much tech in there as possible. Yeah. Well, we're here to get uh, your insights as well. So fair call. Now, are you just going to let Andrew finish it there? Yeah. yeah? Okay. I, I did, yeah, it's not for me. Yeah. I think Andrew's right. If you want, if you want the exposure to the the. the the S&P 500, you want it to the S&P 500. You don't want it flatlining yeah. across all of them. Even if Tesla takes up such a huge part of the 500 now. It takes up such a huge part of everything, doesn't it? <laughs> and <laughs> our conversation. And our conversation. If I had a dollar for the yeah. amount of times I said I Tesla in a day. Anyhow, uh, that's great, guys. We're already at the halfway mark. So let's do a quick summary of the first five stocks, including stock of the day, which was Crown Casino. Um, I didn't even make any notes on this. It's just, it's just why, why, why now, and uh, why in the future. Now, interesting to note that we did get uh, a bit of insight from Andrew saying, look, every company has its price eventually. Uh, go back to the top, listen to what he had to say. Still though, it's not a buy from either of the guys. Crown Casino facing a whole lot of pain, perhaps more to come. So let's get to some of the better news, shall we? Northern Star Resources, NST for Graham. It's a buy from both of these guys. Now, Andrew's a little bit cautious considering the merger is coming up. Sometimes there's some issues in culture and getting everything synergies, all those synergies going. He says the PE is a little demanding, but it's a good space to be in. Um, Henry was talking a little bit about gold and Bitcoin, but generally speaking, he does like gold. It's also an inflation story. It's been around forever, as we know, and it's got the Saracen super pit, everything on the same page for the first time in, in Eon. So he says it's a quality company and it is a buy. Now, Challenger, uh, Henry thinks that the algos potentially got it wrong yesterday when it was sold off so hard in the wake of its report saying that, look, Japan seems to be going well. Management is on track. It, uh, it, um, it, it looks pretty good. He doesn't mind this one. He wasn't you know, fawning all over it, but he does say that it's a buy and a lot of that has to do with the price. Now, this is where the guys disagree. Andrew does not think it's a buy. He says it's a hold. PE is quite cheap relative to its peers, but perhaps there's a reason for that. It's lost about 18% per annum for the last three years. He actually called it rubbish. Well, he didn't. It was his inside voice, but let's Let's just call it what it is. Okay, Dexis is a hold <laughs> coming from Andrew. He says it's a quality business with quality tenants, although he, you know, he just has some of those concerns still about the sector. It's in the office space, uh, but he likes, and this is a hallmark of Andrew's commentary, he likes that the CEO and the chair have started increasing their own holdings in the company. It's a buy from Henry. He believes in the office. He's been around here at Rangaroo. He sees that there's lots of foot traffic now, perhaps not back to what it was, but he says Texas is a well-run company. It's high yielding and it's managed quite well. So that is a buy coming from Henry. Zipco, look, both of these guys have their own history with Zip. Henry is still invested and uh, he took part in the SPP as well, which Andrew called pretty much a gift. He says that if you look at it relative to others in the buy now, pay later space, particularly in the US, it still looks cheap. This is a momentum buy for him. 
don't buy it when the share price is up 10%. Nibble away when you see the share price pull back because it is volatile. And Andrew agrees, it is a buy on momentum as well. Um, he does flag that the MD uh, has been reducing uh, its exposure, his exposure. New chair as well, a little bit of risk there, but probably not much. And that takes us to number five on the list. This is a question from Troy QUS, the beta shares S&P 500 equal weight ETF. Why go equal weight if you want exposure to tech? Uh, that's, that's the question, isn't it? It depends on what is right for you. But for Andrew, uh, it's not a buy. It's, uh, you know, if it's part of your strategy, fine. But it smooths out the volatility. It also decreases your exposure to tech. And uh, that's the same, same story for Henry as well. It's just not for him. Okay, so that is where we're sitting at. Northern Star is going into the portfolio today. Speaking of, mm. our partner NabTrade uh, has been running this with us since last year. All of the companies that get two thumbs up or a buy, has to be a buy from both of our experts, we've been putting into the portfolio. So here's an update on performance. Over the week, we're up 1%. Over the month, pretty much flat actually. And in the year to date, since July the 1st, 2020, up 25.5%, so not too shabby there. Recently, we've added Amcor, Harvey Norman, Calix, Ophir High Conviction Fund, JB High Five, Inside Tech Pivot, and Telstra. And today, Northern Star. You can check that out by heading to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. It's on the bottom of your screen right there as well. Okay, I hope you guys have had a chance to wet your whistles. Let's get cracking. Andrew, up in Toowoomba. DP Advisory, MFF Capital Investments. Ticker code is MFF. This is for Cameron. It's an LIC. It's operated by the co-founder of Magellan Financial, Chris McKay. What do you make of MFF Capital? I like, so I should start off by saying I really like Magellan and I think Magellan have done an outstanding job uh, over many years. And I actually like their underlying company, MFG, sort of the, uh, the, the mothership, so to speak. So uh, certainly no, no issues there, but I guess that's probably where the praise ends. Uh, it's sort of, it's a highly concentrated strategy. So it has like 18% MasterCard, 16%, sorry, 18% Visa, 17% MasterCard, 9% Amazon. So it really is sort of all in, if I can put it that way. Interestingly for an LIC, most listed investment companies these days seem to, well not most, some seem to be trading at a discount to asset backing. It's actually trading relatively similar. 251's the net asset backing. Um, it's holding $112 million in franking credits, which I thought was interesting, but it's got a pretty low cash balance. It's only about 20 million. Um, I couldn't see what the performance fee is, so I'd take some caution with what I'm about to say, but if it's similar to other Magellan investments, it's a reasonably high performance fee. Uh, and as I said, Magellan has certainly performed well, and I don't uh, suggest they shouldn't get it for a moment, but if I was to buy, and again, let's just go back to QUS as an example, if I was to buy QUS, which is sort of playing in that same space, it would arguably have a lower management expense ratio or a lower fee. So me personally, I just prefer sort of buying a, an ETF or, you know, an ETF like a, uh, that has uh, a thematic ETF rather than an LIC. So on that basis, I'm, uh, I'm out, but certainly Magellan's a, a quality company and no problems with it. But yeah, I wouldn't be buying it. Yeah, I should have said that it's got um, roughly around 20, I think, companies 
you know, both international and Australia in the lick. So does that appeal? Or would you rather do it yourself? <laughs> you know what, I'd, I'd probably rather do it myself. Or as Andrew rightly points out, if you're going to go with the Magellan School of Thought, go with uh, MFG. Mm -hmm. Just go with the headstock. Um, this one has been flatlining. You know, you look at the chart and it has just basically flatlined. Traded between around 260 to 280. They come out with a weekly NTA, which is nice, but I'd prefer a little bit more transparency, a little bit more detail around it, maybe even a daily NTA. Um, we've done very well for uh, our members out of one long short fund, LSF is the code there, uh, which has a daily NTA, which is really good. And there is a lot of, um, there's a lot more detail around that. And you can actually see how it's sort of performing in not, not real time because it is a somewhat delayed, but there is a bit more than the weekly thing. Um, so for me, this is just not very exciting, I have to say. If you want to play the Magellan story, go with the headstock, go with the one that takes the fees, that manages the $100 billion, that has the Hamish cult, um, go with MFG. How long does the cult following, how long does that continue? Is there a time when the gloss comes off? No. I think the gloss comes off when someone replaces him as the, the guru. Um, and that he's a very good communicator. He's a very good fund manager. And there is certainly, you know, the gloss, some of the gloss has come off recently because it has been an expensive fund manager and it has seen its uh, FUM, the funds under management, not really growing that much. It's kind of been stuck around 100 billion and the inflows have, have stalled a little bit and the performance has also stalled a little bit as well. So I think some of the gloss has worn off, but until somebody bigger, better, brighter, comes along in Australia with a we, track record with a track yeah. record because we like personalities you like to you know you like to feel like you're investing in the person the man uh, as opposed to just this you know mm. and we've seen this with um, with platinum everyone loved Kerr Nielsen um, and when he stepped back we saw that that Kerr mm. Nielsen gloss of it you know, fall away Maybe that happens with Magellan at some stage when Hamish steps back, but he's still a young man with a lot of ambitions. Okay, so MFF Capital, just for you playing along at home, the guys don't know necessarily what's in the portfolio. MFF was, it is now no longer, because yeah. of course there was not two thumbs up from the guys. Okay, so let's get to our next company on the list. This is from Jeff. Hey Jeff, I hope you're listening or watching. Raise Invest, RZI is the ticker code. So it recently had a trading update out. Uh, many of you out there will know that it's a micro investing app platform uh, active in Australia, Indonesia, and Malaysia. It is growing the business. Active customers are growing. Um, funds under management, active customers both growing, as I just said. Andrew, do you like Raise Invest as an investment? I like it. I like it. It's, uh, oh, I like it's a it a good. lot. Go ahead, tell I us like why. It. Um, so this used to be Acorns for those playing at home and uh, they sort of weren't able to use that licensing name in the US anymore. So they're sort of now running with Rays. But this is a really interesting business. Um, one of the aspects they have is, you know, you set it up against your credit card as an example and you go and buy coffee for $4. It will actually round that coffee up to $5 and take $1 and invest it across a range of ETF portfolio range of ETF portfolios, excuse me. Uh, funds under management now about 630 million, uh, 375,000 active clients. I mean, the average customer balance is pretty small. It's only about $2,000, but it's sort of a way in which you're getting people exposed to the share market at a very low cost. And again, sort of using these passive tools in which to do so. Uh, operates in Australia, Malaysia and Indonesia. Uh, I, I quite like it. I think. Um, they're onto something here. 
and uh, in particular in the sort of wealth management space where it's getting harder and harder for us to give advice to people with small balances, this is a perfect tool for people to be using to sort of build up sort of that minimum amount so they can then go and get that advice, but doing it in a manner in which there's not a lot of thought going into it. You know, they're just going out yeah. and doing their daily business. All right, so it's a buy. I'm calling that a buy from you, Andrew. Now, Henry, price has to come into it though. The share price of Ray's has surged. I think it's up about 60%, you know, in recent times. I don't have the timeline on that, admittedly, but you know, is it worth it? Yes, I, I, I like this one. I wrote this one up a couple of uh, weeks ago, actually. I have a Raise account. Um, and do you? I do, I do. And I put in a certain amount every week and it just ticks up. So, but that, the really sexy thing about this is that they now, not only have they introduced the Bitcoin thing to the Sapphire portfolio, mm -hmm. which I think has caught some um, people's imagination, but they've also put in a custom a custom portfolio. Yes. Yeah. So you, you can't choose willy-nilly. There, there is a, there's a menu and you can choose how much money you put into each part of the menu. And Bitcoin is capped still at the 5% mm -hmm. mark. But it just shows the innovation that they're bringing in. It's a, re it's a good platform. It works really well. Um, as Andrew says, you can round up, you can put extra money in, you can do lots of things. I recommend my kids doing it, but they seem to raid it too often. Um, and the fees are quite high if you have small amounts, but they, they, you know, as a percentage, they get smaller, obviously, as you put more money in. Okay. So I, I like this one. I think it's got legs. George Lucas has done a pretty good job of this one. Uh, he made all the Star Wars movies and has obviously <laughs> branched out into um, into, into I financial. know George Lucas. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, it's a buy. I know George. It's, it's still a buy for me. I think it's got a long way to go. Yeah, cool. All right, let's get on to WeeBit Nano. WBT, this one is for Thomas. So it is, for those of you out there who had to do your research as well, it's developing newly emerging computer memory technology that combines the best of today's mainstream storage technologies, i.e. DRAM and flash memory. So I probably wouldn't be able to invest in this one because I'm not fully aware of what they do. However, Henry, you know, <laughs> I can say it, but uh, do you know exactly what it does? Would you be comfortable investing in Webit Nano? Yes, and have done. We, we recommended this one back at 40 cents. Um, it's been a stellar performer for us. Uh, it's done really well. I've taken profits along the way, but uh, it is a really interesting technology. It's, it's very much based out of Israel. Mm -hmm. They've got a lot of uh, really high-end uh, brains working on this, uh, this memory technology. And it falls into the, the 4DS and the, um, the brain chip sort of camp at the moment. Um, everything's going along well. It's not like they've got any revenue at the moment. No, but it recently raised about 15 million. It did raise some money, which is good because that, that just sort of continues the research. Mm -hmm. um, they're getting close, I think, is the answer. They're getting close to actually fabricating uh, one of these, uh, these memory chips, uh, the storage that they have. And it has recently reaffirmed that it does expect to ink its first commercial deal by mid-2021. So in terms of catalyst, that might be it. In terms of timing and price, is it a buy now? Uh, it is another one like Zip. It is quite volatile. It can move 10% in a day on a whim. So I've been sort of using strength to sell into it. And uh, it'd be nice to see a bit of a pullback, but it doesn't seem to happen consistently. Mm -hmm. um, it's certainly a hold. I hold in the portfolio that I run, the small cap stuff that I run. Certainly a hold, buy on weakness, bit like the zip. Um, but it's one of the, it could be a binary outcome to some extent. It, yeah. it, you know, the, the, it's new technology. If it works, it works. 
and you know it, it could be massive if it doesn't work or it gets slowed down and they need more money and it gets bogged down yep. all that froth disappears quite quickly all right Weebit nano wbt andrew um new tech innovation innovation coming from israel it's got a lot of those key sort of words if you're interested in the tech space are you interested in this tech in particular yeah, well, first of all, hats off to Henry. He's uh, absolutely nailed this, uh, as we saw, up 650%. So uh, I'm certainly not going to add too much more because Henry's all over it like a cheap suit. But I would uh, simply say that if they can make it work to Henry's point, this whole it's, it's going to be cheaper and far more reliable than flash memory. And flash memory is everywhere at the moment. So the market opportunity is huge. I would think that that recent uh, uh, share purchase plan that you spoke about, Nadine, at um, uh, $1.70 could be susceptible to some profit taking. So again, to me, it's a buy on weakness, but that whole space interests me. And if you look at sort of that broader semiconductor space as well, there's huge shortages at the moment. Uh, all the prices are going ballistic, so they're in the right space, but you are paying a premium for it. So if you can be patient, bind on weakness. I like it a lot. I don't know the rules around when people say buy it on weakness. I'll have to check with my producer. He'll speak in my ear shortly. It was definitely a hold from both of the guys with definitely a buy a on weakness. It's okay, I'm going to wait to be advised on this one. I don't want to ruin anything for when Kashi gets back. Okay, 5G Networks is on the list. We're going to have to get going, actually. 5GN is the ticker code. This one is for Ank. Ank, thanks for writing in. It's a communications carrier. It expects to record a record first half, so it's already pre-guided the market, which yep. is what you do want to see. Yep. Henry, what about this company? Um, I hold it, have been holding it for a while, like the code. Um, I, it's been disappointing, to be honest. Oh. And the reason it has been disappointing is they've got bogged down with the takeover of Web Central, mm -hmm. and they've got involved in takeover panels and court cases and Keybridge Capital, and it's just got bogged down. And it's, it's not the outcome that's the issue. Um, what will be will be. It's more the distraction for management that these sorts of things cause and the distraction for the market. So um, it's, a, it's a hold. Um, I like the story. I like the company. I wasn't so keen on the Web Central uh, takeover. Mm -hmm. They only ended up with 44%. They got knocked back. They, there's courts, you know, there's lawyers at 10 paces. Um, to me, that's been a distraction from the share price and management, and that's, that's a shame. Okay. If we can get rid of that, all systems go. 5G, I mean, it's here, it's now. Is 5G the way that you want to potentially play that thematic? And Nadine, you've absolutely nailed the issue with this company. It, you would think it's actually a 5G company. It's not. <laughs> not. It's, it's oh, actually, it's actually, darn. Darn. We did not plan that. But seriously, that's the problem. Like, it's actually an infrastructure company. It's like data centers. So Henry's right. Like, the actual underlying business is really sound. But this whole stuff that's going on with Web Central, the old Melbourne IT, I was only looking. There's yet another takeover panel sort of uh, discussions mm. going on there. And management's got better things to be doing with their time. So it's, it's definitely a hold until they get that all sorted out. Perhaps renaming their company. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. 5GN. So, Ank, that is not a buy from these guys. Now, the final company on our list today is RPM Automotive Group. RPM is the ticker code. This one is for Jenna. Jenna, I am glad we get to this one for you. Lucky last. 
Um, it's an interesting one because it has recently completed uh, a capital raise, about $5 million. It has published its financials for the fourth quarter, new revenue, new earnings records. Interesting to me is that the performance accessories part of the business, so that segment was the best performer, so the strongest business segment. So is that a little bit of a, a stimulus story as well, potentially? I think it's a stimulus story. It's also a stimulus story and a driving holiday story, an upgrading car story. We've seen car sales going very well. We've seen the likes of you know, ARB going really well as people buy the ute and put all the tricks on it. This is tires. This is performance aftermarket stuff. Um, you can go and buy your race suit from them, your helmets, all this sort of stuff. I'm just having these visuals, Henry, but anyways, go on. <laughs> you, you can, I've got them. Um, and uh, this is it's a good story. It's a small cap. It's a good story. They're producing good money, good revenues. They're in a good segment. Whether it is a stimulus story and that kind of runs out when we see people uh, you know, going on overseas holidays again instead of spending money on you know, on their own vehicles and driving holidays remains to be seen. But at the moment, the BAPCORs, the ARBs, the, um, the RPMs, all doing very well. And I think that's going to continue. So um, it's, it's definitely a hold. I'm not sure I'd be paying mm -hmm. these lofty prices. But um, it's, if you got it, hold it. Yeah, okay. I'm curious to get your thoughts, Andrew, because the company has says that it will... Um, look for several acquisitions, potential growth acquisitions. Is that a bit of a red flag to you? Because Henry just drew in breath, <laughs> audibly. Uh, no, I think it was just the bated breath of what I was about to say, Nadine. Uh, no, look, I, I, I'm sort of, I'm a hold on this. And because the, the, a couple of sort of red flags for me or amber flashing lights might be a better way of putting it if we're using the automotive uh, analogy. Mm -hmm. uh, there's only about $36,000 a day of this company traded. So it's really thinly traded. It's very hard to get set in it. So an institution probably isn't going to look at it too much. Another thing that might keep the institutions away is that the CEO owns 36% of the company. So like, as you know, I like um, management owning companies. But equally so, you do need to sort of have a, a free liquid float, so to speak. So if you don't have that and it's pretty thinly traded, uh, certainly all the issues that we were speaking about, speaking about before relating to sort of the stimulus side. Uh, the other thing is, though, they recently did that placement at 19 cents. And as we just saw, they're trading at about 29 cents. So similar to Zip, you know, potentially uh, susceptible to a bit of profit taking as well. The brands are pretty well known, like Carline Exhaust. I know nothing about cars, and even I knew about Carline Exhausts. So they've got some good brands in there, but yeah, I'm, I'm certainly a hold at these levels. Okay, well, I like to do a little bit of a bonus for our viewers because um, it, I think it warms them up to the fact that I'm not Koshy, of course. Um, so I will ask you this, Andrew. Um, to Henry's point, there are a lot of these companies in this space that are doing quite well. So do you think that there's a buy for a BAPCOR or an ARB or uh, anyone else in that sort of space? Yeah, look, I do ARB every day of the week and twice on Sunday. We've been buying ARB since about three bucks. I don't know where they are today. They're something silly, $30 or something like that. But by silly as in, you know, silly numbers, mm. it's done really well. It's a quality business, low debt. Uh, growing their earnings well, certainly a beneficiary from a stimulus point of view. So yeah, $38 for ARB, there you go. I would absolutely have ARB in my small cap portfolio without doubt. Henry, you've had time to think. Not a lot. 
The one that makes the carbon wheels down in Geelong, I think it's Carbon Revolution CBR from yes. memory. Um, they, they are at the cutting edge of technology in reducing weight. And that's the big thing. As we move to electric vehicles, the whole key to it is, is to make them more efficient, obviously, as they can go further, reducing weight. Um, it's been a bit of a um, rocky ride for them at times, uh, especially during COVID because they supply mm -hmm. Ferrari and people like that. But I think that's an interesting one that has got potential. I don't know where they are and I haven't looked at them for a while. But $2.65. But there we go. $2.65 they are. Um, worth putting on your watch list and having a little dig around. Okay. Great. Thanks, guys. Uh, look, I'll sum it up quickly. We've had a great conversation. MFF is out of the model portfolio. If you want to get in on the Magellan story, both of the guys say just go for Magellan then. MFG would be the pick. Um, and if you're listening, Chris McKay, who's running that operation, uh, Henry says that perhaps a little bit more transparency in terms of the NTA, maybe daily as opposed to weekly. Okay, raise invest. This is a buy. So this is going into the portfolio. Both of these guys agree on that one, this one. They like it a lot. Henry says it's just really clever. Gives him a way to get exposure to Bitcoin. Of course, that would be very individual. Um, Andrew just likes it a lot. He, they're really onto something there. Um, okay, Weebit Nano. Uh, again, Andrew really likes the story. He likes the technology. If they can make it happen, then it has the potential to be really big. However, buy on weakness. So I have the official word from my producer that you it's not going in the portfolio because it has to be a buy at the current price. It's a hold from both of these guys at the current price. But Henry agrees that if you can get into it on weakness, it potentially will go really, really well. They're getting very, very close. It's a bit volatile, but it has been a stellar performer. And the tech is what they really believe in as well. Um, look, it's not the data centers aren't a great place to be. It's just that in Henry's view, 5G networks has been distracted by this whole takeover of Web Central. It's been a distraction. And uh, so he's just basically saying that it's been disappointing. It's a hold. And um, again, I suppose that that's the issue for Andrew, perhaps just management's execution of strategy. So it is not a buy from these guys. RPM Automotive Group, uh, again, uh, perhaps amber flashing lights for Andrew is what he's calling the fact that it's pretty illiquid. I mean, when does the stimulus run out as well? That's something you have to consider that Henry agrees with. But if you can't get in and out, it could potentially be a bit of a hindrance. Um, small cap, it's, uh, it's a good story, but again, maybe a little bit of an unknown when it comes to the stimulus in terms of Henry's. That's a hold from both of the guys, but if you're looking for a buy in that space, Andrew has given you a bonus of ARB any day of the week. He says it's a buy, and Henry says, take a look. Just take a look, do your research on Carbon Revolution CBR. It's in the wheel making business, but in a new way. The guys like new stuff. Okay, huge thanks to Andrew Veitlin up there in Toowoomba, DP Wealth Advisory. Really appreciate your time as always. Thanks, Nadine. Thanks, Henry. And also Henry Jennings here in studio from Marcus Today. He's got to go move his car soon because parking is expensive <laughs> around here when there's no 50% off, right? Okay, if there's any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email, the call at osbiz.com.au. You can tweet to us at osbiztv is the handle. And you can find all of the stocks in the calls portfolio. Head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. I hope you enjoyed the program. We'll see you tomorrow.